What's up, Spurs fans? We are back again on YT. We're live. It's your man E. Hey. Actually, I should have been this way and then me, Jude. <laughs> um, but as you guys can see by the title, we're 18 days away from San Antonio Spurs basketball. Ethan, you got the new mic. We got to address it. The setup looks fire. Um, we've been in school, but we realized today, I counted down the days, we are 18 days away from San Antonio Spurs basketball. And before you be like, no, no, we're not. We're 18 days away from preseason. I know that's technically San Antonio Spurs basketball. So I know it's not like the real thing, but hey, we're, we're going to start to kind of get an idea of what this team looks like in, in just a little less than a month. So pretty crazy how fast the season's creeping up, Ethan. It's very exciting for me, Jude. I'm actually a little bit more excited for preseason than I've ever been in my entire life because this is the first time that we'll get to see all of these young guys play in a game that is absolutely meaningless. So we can see like someone that we might not ordinarily see during the season that much. Like maybe Jacques Landale is going to get a few more minutes than he normally would or Luka Samanich, even though we hope that he gets a lot of regular season minutes, maybe preseason will be his time to shine and prove to Pop that he's deserving of some minutes. It's a lot of exciting storylines to go into it. Absolutely. Himi Lau in the chat, you are the first one in here, so you're the OG for this episode. Um, we can't <laughs> wait either. Um, and from Vancouver, Canada, shout oh, wow. out to all our Canadian viewers, all of our international amigos, as Rob Trejo likes to say. Speaking of which, I think this is a perfect transition. Once again, if you have not, follow and subscribe to SpursTube TV. Uh, Rob is going to be on there a lot from Spurs Film Room. And then also, welcome to SSPN if you're just joining. And go Spurs go, as always. He, that was a that was an easy little, uh, little transition there for the captions. But Himmy, also a Spurs fan since 1990. Wow. You have been a Spurs fan longer than both of us have been alive. So clap it up right now for that <laughs> but anyways back into the Spurs you're talking about the preseason Ethan I couldn't agree more because this is also the first time that it's really felt like a rebuild too you know what yeah. I mean like we have a roster full of young guys that we want to see you know what they'll do in certain situations even if it is just the preseason in the years past we've had such you know we've been in the older half of the league when it comes to our roster that preseason's kind of been like yeah the young guys get to play but we didn't have like a lot of young guys that we were really invested in. And then it was like the ones that we were, were like playing like Derek, DeJounte and Keldon. So like they weren't getting big minutes in the preseason. Um, and then, I mean, they didn't even really throw Lucas Samanich out there that much last year either. So we really mm -hmm. didn't get to watch. Like there wasn't really a point of watching the preseason. It was like, okay, like Jonathan Simmons. It wasn't Jonathan Simmons, obviously, but whoever was on the roster, like Galen Robinson's out there for whatever reason right now. Like, I don't know what's happening, but that's what that's what it's been like in the past where this year we actually get to see these young guys and these situations are going to be super important for them because they're actually going to be playing in that role once the season starts for in the past. If they're playing in that role, it's like, oh, well, you'll just get sent to the G League or you'll ride the bench. So a lot of intriguing storylines. We talked about Kieta Bates-Diop getting signed last time, and he knew that it was a 17-man roster, and he commented on how it's going to be a competition. So I know we've been talking about moves the Spurs can make. We've maybe been hoping, you know, um, whether or not, you know, some of these guys will get traded or will make a move, but it might just be that Pop's like, nope, we're going to have a competition because this year we can eat the cap, um, and we're just going to see who's the best guys out of these guys on our roster. Um, but a lot of different storylines. I know we got some questions in the chat we want to get to, so I'm just going to swing it back to you, Ethan. I like everything that you said, Jude, and I'm very excited about that statement that it's going to be a competition-based you know, roster. Let's see who wins the spot and who's going to be cut from the team or traded or whatever it may be. And I like that because that tells me that the front office and the coaching staff, just as much as us, they don't really know what the lineups are going to be. And that excites me because we were both scared that Pop was just going to immediately jump on the Bryn Forbes and the starting yeah. lineup with Dougie <laughs> taking exactly. minutes from Luca and then Trey Jones going back to the G League. But at least now we know that, you know, there's there's room for movement on this roster. You know, Trey Jones might beat out Bryn Forbes. That's an exciting opportunity in my yeah. mind, and I'm sure a lot of Spurs fans' minds as well. Um, so that's what I'm most looking forward to going into this preseason. And yeah, let's jump into these questions real quick. Eric O, he asks, who do you think will be our main shooter? Jude, do you want to take that one first? 
I think it's got to be Dougie McBuckets, man. I just think that, you know, with how long he's been in the league, the role that he played in Indiana last year, how he's gotten better every year. Um, obviously, Wieskamp's going to take a little bit. Primo's going to take a little bit. Um, I, I just don't see Devin being our main shooter when he has so many other skills that we've seen defensively and offensively where you can have a guy like Doug McDermott who really can just kind of play off ball, whether it's DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Bryn Forbes. I mean, I don't know who's going to be handling the ball, right? Lonnie Walker, right? But hopefully those guys who in the past have had to be catch and shoot players when really that's not their strong suit, like a Lonnie Walker, for example, even though Mm -hmm. he did well, um, I think it's pretty, pretty easily going to be Doug McDermott. But I feel like I might be missing another option. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me thinking in my head. What do you think about that, Ethan? My answer would definitely be Doug McDermott as well because of all the reasons that you stated. Like, I think that that exists, that role is exactly why he was brought on the team because we have so many guys that can handle and play make. He won't need to do those things as much as maybe he has in the past. So we can really just focus on what he's best at, but some other options, some, some silver lining players. I mean, you mentioned Bryn Forbes. That's literally all he did last year. I forgot. Yeah. I I forgot. Like Rihanna's that that depends. I mean, I still think Doug McDermott will be our main shooter because I think he'll get more playing time with the starters fingers crossed like i would rather him get more minutes than bryn (laughs) is what i'm saying like if he gets 25 i won't be mad if bryn gets 25 it'll be like "Eh, what's going on but who knows but a a, a dark horse in this race is i think Derek white because Derek showed tremendous improvement from the three-point line last year and in the bubble and I think injury kind of plagued him from being even more of a great shooter. But if you're going to compare DeJounte Murray and Derek White, you know, who's going to have the ball in their hands and who's going to be kind of sitting on the perimeter, Derek has proved, to me at least, that he is better suited for that position. So you, you might see his like volume of threes being put up, be, uh, you know, take a, another step, another leap in that uh, positive direction. Yeah, I think that's a great point. That was who um, I was forgetting there. Say his name one more time for me because I'm forgetting like two seconds after. This is so embarrassing. Derek White. Derek White. How did I forget Derek White? (laughs) This is my guy. I've I've been talking about him on the show for forever. But yes, since we saw him in the bubble two years ago, he was, I know the bubble was crazy. Like TJ Warren went for 50 and that didn't translate. Like we, we get that, right? Yeah. But I think what did translate is that Derek White is a shooter. Like he is a guy who will continue to shoot even if he's not having the best night because that is his role and that's kind of his game that it seems like Pop has molded around him uh, these past two years. Obviously, we didn't get to see him flourish in that role because of the injuries, but when he was in the bubble, he was looking like Damian Lillard pulling up like off screens and like getting fouled and shooting still and making it like... I mean, obviously, Derek's entire performance with the five charges and everything, getting his tooth knocked out, you know, yeah. was just was just incredible in that bubble, uh, you know, section, right? But I still think after watching last year, despite the injuries and not shooting as well as he did in that little 10-game stretch, I believe that he really can be a, a pull-up shooter and, uh, you know, a high-volume shooter as well that the Spurs can rely on. But even with that being said, I still roll with Doug McDermott. There's an obvious reason why he was signed. But I think that Derek White is a very good dark horse uh, when it comes to that conversation. But another question we got is what our expectations for Jock Landale are. And Hemi, I couldn't agree with you more. We did really need front court help last year. Mm. My expectations are going to be low simply because it's his first year with the Spurs. It's his first year in the NBA. He's been playing NBL basketball for a few years now. And And he's a tremendous player internationally. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but usually when a player, unless they're like a high, you know, a, like a, Luka Doncic. A, a big name, yeah, they don't really translate immediately. So I'm going to set the bar pretty low. However, I agree with you. We definitely needed front court help simply because of size. And he checks that box off perfectly. He's a seven footer that can move his feet and shoot from the three point line as well as bang down low. So even if he doesn't get a lot of minutes because of guys that are more, you know, solidified in the lineup, like a Drew Eubanks, like a Yaka Pertle. Uh, even a Thaddeus Young, you know, even if he doesn't get a playing time that maybe some people think he deserves, I still think that his presence on the roster, as far as depth goes, um, will true will prove very beneficial as the season progresses. And maybe he gets a lot more minutes down the line, All Star break. Maybe we're not in the playoffs at all, and we're like, you know what? Let's just throw him in there and see what he can do. I could see that happening as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think with Jock, most likely this year is going to be, he'll get some minutes here and there, um, but probably won't play that much. Um, but I believe that, I forget what his contract was, but I, I'm pretty sure it's not just one season. So, I think it's two years. I yeah, think I, think right. it's, I think it's two years. So that would make sense that the next year would probably be when he would get a role or maybe he'll, I don't know, we'll have to see. How, that all kind of depends on how this year goes with Jock. But I think that there is a slight chance that he ends up, um, well, not even a slight chance with injuries. This could definitely be possible because you never know with that. But even if there wasn't injuries, I think that there's a slight chance that Jock Landale may just win the job off the bench. Um, maybe not necessarily take Drew Eubanks' spot, but I would say take Luca's spot. I feel like that's more likely than him taking Eubanks' spot off the bench. But I don't know. Maybe Luca is just like what we thought he was going to be when we drafted him and they play him there, and they'd rather go with size and shooting and run with Jock Landale. But you never know. But there's a lot of upside with Jock, um, and especially his Olympic performance. That that I, I know he made some mistakes in that game, but it's like, you know, you're playing the world's best players. Yeah. You're, playing, you're playing Kevin Durant and all these, you know, like finals players and all that. So I don't hate him that too much for that. Um, oh, I don't hate him at all, but y'all get what I mean. Um, but anyways, getting on to some other questions. Eric, thank you for being in the chat. You're always in here, my guy. Go Spurs, go. Um, who gets more minutes, McDermott or Lonnie? I like that question. That's Ooh. a very good question. What do you think, Ethan? Mm. Oh, that is a tough one. That's a great, that's a great uh, question. More minutes is a little bit different than who's going to you know, have more usage. So more minutes, I'm going to go with Doug McDermott, simply because he's a guy that you can plug into both the bench unit and the starting lineup. He doesn't demand the ball, and he there's 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 more like clogging in Lonnie's positions. He has more guys to share minutes with, with DeJounte, Derek, Bryn Forbes, Trey Jones, all those guys. He's got more to, to deal with there. So I'm going to give the nod to Dougie. However, that doesn't mean I think Doug McDermott is going to be the ball handler, you know, like Armanu Ginobili. I think that role still belongs to Lonnie. But minutes-wise, I'm going to give the edge to Doug McDermott. I have to agree with you. It's just like, well, I'm thinking about this when you're talking. If you really wanted to, I don't think the Spurs will do this this year, but I don't know if any of you guys have played the new 2K, but you can have three positions now in 2K. And I like that they did that because that's realistic in today's yeah. NBA. And Doug McDermott, yes, he's 6'7", but say there's like an injury and you're, you know, Keldon's not hurt and like Luca's not hurt or, you know, whoever's playing the three and the four, you can slide McDermott to shooting guard if you need to. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like that, that he can really play from the two to the four, um, just with the way that the league is and his shooting ability. I mean, he can play all of those different roles. So because of that and because of, like you said, um, just his veteranship, he, he may, you know, Lonnie may have the ball in his hands more, you know, with playmaking opportunities. But I think when it comes to minutes, McDermott will get the most just to space the floor and because of his versatility. And we forget a lot. There's still the opportunity for Doug McDermott to be in the starting lineup. We don't yes. know. He could very well be our starting four or starting three because he and Keldon could switch between three and four, you know, and if Thaddeus Young isn't with us long term, maybe they want Doug in there for shooting. You know, there's so many options that the coaching staff needs to examine, which is another reason to be excited for the preseason. Yes, and Eric, no, McDermott does not have handles. If he was playing the two, he would literally just be a catch-and-shoot guy, but it was just like worst-case scenario. That's I was just using it as a point to uh, an example of where he could play another position in the event that it happened and get more minutes. But another comment um, by Hemi, if you don't have anything else on Dougie McBuckets. Yeah, we're good. All right. We're good. So Hemi says, I love Zach Collins from two years ago, but I'm afraid to give him any expectations. Now, look. We might have, you know, I've had it. I think Ethan's probably had it. We all might have a little Zach Collins uh, foot syndrome. And, you know, when it comes to big men, a lot of us get scared when we see big men with foot injuries, right? Mm -hmm. So that is something that is concerning for sure. And that is why I would be, you know, definitely wouldn't, I would be afraid also to give him any expectations this year just by the question mark of who knows if he'll even play um, or when he'll play or when he'll get back. Um, or what the Spurs want to do. They may, might just want to hold him out the whole year just to make sure that he's healthy. Um, and they might like, you know, who knows? Like I said, it, it, there's a lot with the season. I mean, we get rolling 
or, you know, we suck. That could determine whether Jock Landale plays or not. You know, all of that just kind of depends on that. But going back to Zach Collins, I'm still pretty optimistic about the signing just because of how young he is and how the Spurs, um, it seems like they're a little bit more committed to him with the contract they gave him in Mm -hmm. comparison to Trey Lyles. So that gives me a little bit more confidence in Zach. But with all of that being said, while there's a lot of hope for Zach that he could really, you know, hit on that upside, I'm with you, Hemi. I I can't really give him any expectations this year either. Yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough question. Even if he were healthy, my expectations would still be low because he's a he's a good player when he was healthy on Portland I remember watching him he has a lot of upside like he said just simply being the size that he is and being able to move the way he does he's not a you know a non-athletic big so there's a lot of upside there that being said I still would only give him stat wise if he was fully healthy like seven points eight boards like average max like even still and if he's healthy i think maybe he's projected to be back around christmas time uh, if they even want him to play like you said but then it all depends on what lucas samanich is doing that's another great point is eubanks playing well is Jacques panning out you know like there's so many factors that kind of go into what we expect from him even if he were healthy so at this point i'm just going to keep him at zero and look forward to next season uh like you said yeah uh eric casina i are you i'm pretty sure i don't know if you're referring to zach collins here you said greg odin 2.0 definitely is so (laughs) hopefully not right hopefully not that would that would be a poor sucky signing but Tavarius, shout out to you for being in the chat today we appreciate you my guy um, who is cut or traded? So that's a great question. Um, we talked about that earlier, and I think now it seems like they're, I mean, but once again, it's the Spurs, so we really don't know. They, they always keep things very close to the chest. But it seems like now with us being, you know, 18 days away from preseason, I don't know how many days we are away from uh, once training camp starts. That's got to be already started or in the next, you know, couple couple days probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks like there might be a competition, right? So I would lean more towards a player getting cut than us making a move. And if I had to bet on somebody on the roster getting cut, I, I would say that it's Alfred Camino. The, the Kieda Bates Diop signing would make absolutely no sense. I mean, unless Alfred Camino just beats him out, I guess. But like, I don't know. I would just, if I'm the Spurs, you're not winning the championship. Like, why would you, like, you're going to have to pay Alfred Camino. 10 million regardless now that I think about it if you cut him but still I just rather have Keita Bates D up on the roster I feel like he's just a way better version of Al Farouk Aminu because like you know Al Farouk Aminu in 2015 you know maybe this is a different discussion but 2021 Al Farouk Aminu versus 2021 Keita Bates D up doesn't really seem like a competition to me but I'm not the coach so yeah, I agree with you. I think Al Farouk Aminu is a safe bet for who who will be leaving. We have to get rid of one more guy, though, don't we? Wait. Well, don't we have 17 currently on the roster, or is it all the way down to 16 now? Let me check. That, that's a good question, because we gave we go, we go gave Wee's camp a, a two-way. two-way. Yes. So that, so that might have that been up. our, yeah, I think, might have been our I think it's only 16. I want to say right now that's what it's at. But okay. I will check that. You can hit up some of the other questions right yeah. now. Yeah, while you check that, I'm going to address a couple of these things. Alexander Olmo, good point. We still have to see how Zach will play in the Popovich system. And I'm sure that is a huge unknown because he hasn't been able to play, um, not even in training camp. I'm sure he hasn't had a chance to work out in the, in the facility, nothing like that. Um, Miles one. Hurdle Collins Eubanks will be a phenomenal one, two, three punch this year if they're all healthy. If the center position can return 20 points, 15 boards a game, I'm thrilled. Yeah, I, I could see that being a safe bet. Honestly, I could see that 20 and 15 being an easy um an easy stat to hit, even without Collins in that rotation. I could see Pertle and Eubanks getting 20 and 15 a game combined. I don't see that out of the question at all. What's up, Jude? We still have 17. We really yeah. do. I'm, I thought I'm, so. I'm just shocked. That's crazy. Okay, so let me just give this down. I know there's a lot of questions in the comments. And once again, y'all are the goats for being in here. Yeah, for real. Um, but uh, so here's the roster right now. 
Alfaruk Aminu, Kieda Bates Diop, Zach Collins, Drew Eubanks, Bryn Forbes, Keldon Johnson, Trey Jones, Jock Landale, Doug McDermott, DeJounte Murray, Jakob Pertle, Josh Primo, Luca Samanich, Devin Vassell, Lonnie Walker, Derek White, and Thaddeus Young. So I'm just it's once again, okay, now now that we're looking at this, I know they said there's a competition, but I think Thaddy, even if there's a competition between Kieda Bates Diop and Alfred Aminu, um, or maybe there's a competition between Thad Young and Kieda Bates Diop. I don't know, but one of those bulls that we traded for, or both of them are getting moved. Yeah. Yeah. Aminu's so. definitely gone. I I think that the next, honestly, I think uh, Thaddeus being traded is the third option at this point. I think the second option, unless it's already been done, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jude, will be to put Trey Jones back on a two-way. Can you do that? Uh, let's, let's. I'm not a fan of that, but bringing in Bryn Forbes tells me that Trey Jones isn't going to get any playing time anyway. And this, it's... it's it's not uncommon for the Spurs to put a guy back into the G Let League go in the second year. Basketball reference. I could be wrong. In the comments, if you know if he's not allowed to go back on a two-way contract. Trey Jones know. be in the G League this year. Please yeah, tell us. Honestly. <laughs> I would rather Trey Jones get minutes than Oh, I'd uh, rather him play than than uh than Bryn too. I mean, I'll love to Bryn, but like he's just better than him. A, a buyout. <laughs> yeah. Louise says a buyout. Um Oh, he's talking Contract. about Aminu. Oh, yeah, yeah, for Aminu, a buyout or just being simply waived. Yeah. I don't even know if he's on a guaranteed deal. I'm trying um, to find the contract stuff. I don't know. To be honest, I, I've I have no answer to that. I'm gonna come back in here to yeah, no worries, no <laughs> off worries. the internet. Come back All to right. the to come back to the room. The real. All right. So okay, what do we do? What do we want to address here in the comments? No one uh, wants Aminu. I'm with you. I'm with you, Luis. I don't want Aminu either, but Luis. You know said i think the one we were on is um all the way down here we got a lot of comments already wow good thank you guys for being here um where is it luis said oh god dang it <laughs> i can't it keeps like jumping up and down <laughs> yeah luis said i feel that the spurs maybe are trying for a ben simmons trade just to throw that in the air so the thing is there's there's been a lot of spurs rumors on like Twitter, there's a lot of, I don't want to rule that out because I would just never rule that out with Greg Popovich. I don't know. I could just see him doing it just because he's, even though he's not really a foreign player, he technically is a foreign player. I just wouldn't be surprised if it happened. I wouldn't personally agree with it, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. With that mm-hmm. being said though, there was a lot of misconstrued rumors on Twitter and all over the place this past week about Brian Windhorst, one of the main ESPN not SSPN um, anchors that <laughs> that uh, that he he has a podcast called the Hoop Collective or something like that, um, and he was talking about how there's this small market team that's out there in the Ben Simmons, you know, and everybody, of course, the Spurs fans were like, "It's us!" Oh my god! And that wasn't the case; it was the Kings. Um, yeah, I figured it was the so King. so that that's kind of and they were they were actually thinking about trading Deer and Fox, and I'm like, y'all go right ahead. <laughs> I mean, if I was Philly, I'd take that automatically. But um, yeah, anyways, point is that rumor that I know a lot of you guys probably heard about was not the Spurs. That was the Kings. So that's just kind of what I had to say about the Ben Simmons thing right now. But I think that there's still a percentage chance, maybe like five or one. I don't know um, that it, I, I don't think I can rule it out of the possibility mm-hmm. just because the whole Ben Simmons thing is crazy right now. And eventually they're just going to want to get something out of him. So I think it'd be foolish for the front office not to at least stay in conversation with Philly. Um, you know, as we criticize Ben Simmons a lot, including me for what he did in the playoffs and what his stats are compared to DeJounte Murray and stuff like that. <sighs> but at the same time, he's an all-star and he's it got the potential even still. And maybe the Spurs system could do it. And if we could get him at the right price, I wouldn't be mad. I still don't think it's the way we should move at this point. I think we have enough pieces to continue our current path without trying to go trade for Ben Simmons. Um, but absolutely not trade for Ben Simmons if they continue to keep their demand at the point where it is, which is, I think, four total picks plus DeJounte and Keldon and like another young player, probably Thaddeus Young and included in that trade. Um, so at this point, 
no, but, but the Spurs are guaranteed. I'm guarantee you they're still looking into that trade. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Tavarius, I saw a report Phoenix, uh, that the Suns were interested in Thad. I saw that a little while ago mm-hmm. too. Unfortunately, nothing has came of that. But when me and Ethan first saw that, we were like, oh, and there's rumors about Jalen Smith. And we were like, please trade Thaddeus Young for Jalen Smith. Obviously, that didn't happen. And now that I realize that we also, once again, still have 17 players on the roster, I don't really know if we can take anybody back in a trade at this point unless we're sending like, you know, some other people. Um, So that's just kind of a question for us right now. Once again, we're 18 days away, Ethan. And, you know, in July, we were wondering about this. And here we are September 16th, and we're still wondering about it. But another thing also I'm seeing too, y'all are all like, no, let's let's uh, let's stick with the young guys and not mess with Ben Simmons. And I'm completely with you. After that whole drama thing, I just don't even, it's like, why would I even touch that when I have all of these other pe- things over mm-hmm. here that are like, not that. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, I, so. I agree with you 100% too. I don't want Ben Simmons. I was just saying, don't be surprised. And I don't think I don't I don't think it's um, stupid for the Spurs to still be in discussions with Philly because their price will eventually drop. And, you know, it, it's it's negligence on the part of the front office if they don't at least look into it. Um, yeah. But I, I don't want him because there's no way he's going to stay with us long term, even exactly. if his potential, you know, goes out the window. and He's all of a sudden averaging 30, 10 and 10 with the Spurs. He's not staying with us. Are you kidding yeah. Me? Yeah, it's exactly. Exactly, which is why we like Josh Primo, because he said he actually wanted to be a Spur. So that's Mm. another thing where if for some reason, you know, his because he's so young, his ceiling just gets raised over the next couple of years. That could be, you know, that's just another potential good, good uh, asset there with Josh Primo. Luis, good point here. So Spurs cut Aminu and trade Thad for picks. It's that simple. You'd think, right? (laughs) That's that's what you'd hope would be the super simple solution for the San Antonio Spurs. But as we've seen this offseason, they just like to throw us for a loop. Um, I, I know that there were rumors about the Bulls and DeMar, but like still, like, was it really? I don't know. I feel like I was still kind of surprised when I saw like the full details of that move. So you'd think it's that simple, but with the Spurs, you just never know just because they keep things so close to the chest. Yeah, that's what makes doing a podcast during limbo of offseason so difficult <laughs> when you talk about the Spurs because they literally don't give us any information until it like, happens. Yep. And the other teams, like they, there's all this like, oh, you know, there's insiders, there's, mm-hmm. you know, people saying stuff that you can like check out. And usually it ends up turning out being true. You know, I don't know if any of you guys call follow college football, but there's a lot of stuff with like the athletic, all their writers will, you know, they have sources inside the program and you can like read their articles and you'll actually like get true information that you wouldn't get anywhere else. But the Spurs are like, nope, <laughs> they, they're not like that. They don't have very many, uh media maybe not media friends but they're just not as um open with the media as other teams are uh off the record if that makes sense so anyways Mm -hmm. miles says they can stay in conversation with philly but brian wright and company should talk about cheesesteaks the liberty bell or even voting machines but not ben simmons yes i'm with you hey i could use a philly cheesesteak right now but i don't Mm -hmm. want ben simmons shooting a three let me tell you anyway And yeah, another great point, Alexander, with the chemistry these guys have already built up. Like, remember when there were questions about like if DeJounte and Derek could play together and like if they were even like able to like interact with each other, like when you just hear both of them talk, they're two different people. But by even last year, you could tell that they can play together now and they've got on court chemistry. So it's like you've already worked to build that up and you've signed both of them to long term contracts and you'd probably have to give up one of those two guys or both in that deal with Ben Simmons. So it's mm-hmm. like, why would you waste like all of this work that you've done for building a new culture and yeah. chemistry with the team and make a trade like that where then you have this star player who's going to come in, think he's the, you know, the, you know what, and mm-hmm. that's just, I just don't see it working at all. So I'm with you, Alexander, hundred percent, my guy. Definitely don't do it, but I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second here. And I'm going to say this guy that we're talking about, Ben Simmons, let's all remember, he dropped a 40 piece on DeJounte, Derek Keldon, everybody on our team. Ben Simmons gave us four without Joel Embiid playing for Philly. We got blown out of the water. 
So well, good for him. Do it when it matters. No, I'm no, I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Let's not talk like he's a bum. Has, like, hasn't he had? Bum. Hasn't he had some good playoff performances in the past too? Or has he always been a little struggle? This year was the well. He's never shot threes. Mm-hmm. That's that's a, he's never shot the ball. Yeah, but obviously. This, this playoffs was the first time he's played that bad. Yeah, like, I was gonna say. So he even did better. Yeah. So it was. We, we got some. I have some recency bias here. Yes. When I'm talking, we about all men. do. We yeah. all do. And it's it's a warranted recency bias too, because not only is was it his play, but it was his attitude, um, and you know how he was handling things with the team and the coaching staff and all that, not practicing and not doing what was necessary to improve as a player. I think that's what people are angry about more so than him passing up on open threes and open layups at the rim. So uh, yeah, that's why I don't want him. Yeah, yeah. I just it, it, once again, it's just like. I just don't see I don't see the benefit of it at all. <laughs> like no, he just was, yeah. he he basically like his relationship was just ruined with Philly's entire front office and I'm not saying that he's going to ruin it with another franchise but like when that happens you know like we've seen players in the past where that has continued in other places. There's also been situations where it's only happened in one place and then it stopped eventually. Jimmy yep. Butler's an example of where it happened in two places and then he got to Miami and was fine. You know, so I don't want to yeah. say that Ben Simmons is, you know, toxic because he needs, you know, he deserves another chance or even two other chances, right? Um mm-hmm. but yeah, just right now it does not seem like it would spit the fur. It would, you know, culture and fit is like such a big thing with the Spurs. Yeah. And all that drama is just like the opposite of what the Spurs, you know, embody. So I just don't see it happening. ML Miles in a perfect world starting in a few things. Oh, Given good. our current roster, who would you give once to get back for young if you could get anyone? Once again, I go back to if I just think this is realistic. Um, maybe, I don't know. Uh, but Thaddeus Young, Jalen Smith. That would be that would be the if we could do that, I, mm-hmm. I would really like that. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. And also, honestly, I wouldn't mind just giving Thaddeus Young for like one protected first or even like two second round picks. Yeah. Um, but in a perfect world, if I could decide the roster, I would keep Thaddeus Young, cut Alpha Rukaminu, and never have signed Bryn Forbes, and boom, our roster is ready to go. <laughs> That's the perfect world. Yeah. Right. I think Thaddeus Young actually could be very helpful to our young team because he brings all the dirty work that he would do, play defense, get rebounds, and just be that like Swiss Army knife, and then allow Lucas Salmonich to come off the bench so his confidence wouldn't necessarily have to be shot in, in, in the head as soon as he gets, yeah, as soon as he starts <laughs> playing minutes. Um, but I understand now that we have Bryn, the best option would be to trade him for whatever we can get, hopefully picks. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, honestly, in a perfect world, I'd trade Bryn Forbes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have, or I'd never sign Bryn Forbes, I guess, because we can't trade him because we just signed him, and there's that agreement. So, yeah, we can't even trade Bryn Forbes. This is pain. That was just, I, I really hope that he is just like our G League connoisseur mentor person for a year. If that is the case, then that's a fantastic signing. But if he's getting like, I, I won't hate him off the bench, but still, like, he's going to be taking minutes away from somebody if he plays off the bench. So I just, like, I don't know. Maybe we're yeah, nothing, trading nothing Lonnie. I don't, him. but like, why would I? But none of these guys, like these young guys, and I know it's just, I don't know. I know all we can really get is social media. And we've seen how in the past with DeJounte, we were, I was convinced, you were probably convinced a little bit that he was out of there for sure. We were like, oh, he, he's done (laughs) with the things that he was saying on Twitter. We so thought it. And then now he's like, no, bro, like I'm a spur for life. I don't know why y'all keep thinking this. So anyways, I I do want to say, I, I, if you go back and watch the tape, Ethan said the most likely scenario during all that time was absolutely nothing happening at all. So I do want to say, I predicted exactly. Y'all go run the tape. Y'all go run the date. Yeah. We're all talking about it. Okay. If, Look, the the only problem I have with Bryn is just his defense, Miles. If if he can, yeah, if he can be a sniper off the bench, then awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but 
That all depends on the second unit lineup, which Tavarius just asked. So what are we thinking right now? Probably if I had to go right now, Bryn Forbes is the point guard, Lonnie Walker, um, Devin Vassell, I would think. Let me let me get up the roster just to be sure. Yeah, because I think I think McDermott will start. Um, so Devin Vassell, Lucas Samanich, and then Eubanks. That's what that's what I would say. Is this assuming that Thad gets moved? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Yeah, because if, if, yeah, go ahead. If, if Thad's playing, then I probably, he's either at the starting four or the backup four. Regardless, he's playing if he's on the roster and getting minutes. But if Mm -hmm. he's not on the roster, then Luca. Yeah. If if he's not on the roster, um, I have the same. Actually, if he's not on the roster, I would probably want to, want to to start Luca at the four and have Doug McBuckets come off the bench as the four with Devin at the three. And then, like you said, Lonnie at the two and Bryn at the, at the one with Eubanks at the center. See Tavarius, you've been saying this all podcast and you know, we're Eubanks guys around here. Look, I gotta, we're just going to have to, we're just going to have to Ethan. We're going to go ahead, man. Look, y'all can't hear me. Take your time. He's he's getting he's getting the poster for those of you that don't know what he's I'm doing. I'm literally unplugging because we've got a signed Drew Eubanks poster, okay? And Eubanks is good. Like he played way better. Who who was our bench before Eubanks? Who was our bench center? Uh, before Eubanks? Yeah. Uh, I honestly don't even think we had one. Or right, Gorgie came later. Yeah. We had Rudy at the backup four. Who, <laughs> Shout who out was Greg. playing before Eubanks got minutes? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But I remember when he came in, it was it was such a big difference. It was such a big difference. I don't know if we were playing Rudy. I don't know what was happening. I can't believe I can't remember this. But his physicality, his aggressiveness rolling to the rim. When was the last time we had somebody on the Spurs dunk on someone? Before Drew Eubanks. Uh, maybe like Lonnie once. Like, Lonnie. when was the last time we had a big dunk on somebody? A big mm. Tim Duncan, La- like La- Lamarcus on occasion. La- yeah, La- Lamarcus on occasion. That's who it I was. know. What it you're was saying. it was Lamarcus at yes. the beginning of the year who was taking Drew Eubanks's minutes, yeah. and Eubanks was literally better than him. Like, I know that sounds crazy because of the way that he played. Look for the Spurs, Eubanks was better. Obviously, if we compare the Nets, like you can maybe say that or you can probably make a pretty good argument that LaMarcus was better than Eubanks. Yeah. But for the Spurs system and what they needed in the paint, like I felt like Drew was more physical than LaMarcus. But I do understand what Tavarius is saying. Bro, you got to it literally right before I was about to say it. Eubanks is undersized. And I understand that concern, which is why there's a lot of hope for Spurs fans that maybe Jock Landale ends up taking that spot just to you know make up for it. And Jakob was on the bench. Yeah, that's right. And honestly, I think that Drew is way more physical in the paint than Jakob. I think that he's more of a force down there. I think um, he, he's way more aggressive, that's for sure, than, than Jakob is, mm-hmm. um, even though he's smaller. But what I will say, though, this once again goes back to our question that we also had throughout the offseason, and that's if Drew Eubanks could play the four. Look at y'all are stealing it Miles in the comments right it. now. Y'all are predicting what we're saying. Yeah, so... If he can play the four, I think that we could really get some usage out of Eubanks. Look, we've only seen highlight videos, you know, of him working out with Bryn Forbes or whoever over the offseason. But it does look like he's working on his shot a lot more. Miles, bro, why don't you just run the show? Like, <laughs> anyways, no. But but yeah, it looks like he's, he's, he's working on his shot a lot. And if he could play that four position, that would give us so much versatility. And once again... Tavarius, that's my problem with Jakob too. He doesn't dunk the ball and he just taps the ball. And there was somebody else, I believe it was Himmy earlier in the chat, and they were talking about how they were disappointed in Jakob as well. They were expecting him to get 15 boards, like three blocks just with his size. And, you know, Lamarcus not being there and playing a small ball lineup, he would be the guy. No, it's Keldon Johnson getting 21 rebounds. It's 6'5". Like, you know what I mean? So I understand, like, I think that Jakob is best as a backup center. But that's yeah, my thoughts on the whole front court thing. I get that it's a problem, y'all. Like I understand, even though we love Eubanks over here, I understand y'all's concern. Well, I don't. 
<laughs> Eubanks, as my buddy Gregory said earlier, you goat. You goat. He's going to show everybody in here that's hating on Eubanks. Eubanks is going to average double digits, you know, probably 10 boards. He's so underrated on our team. Um, I'd probably put, no, I'm not going to say that. I understand what y'all are saying, but I also think y'all are hating on Eubanks really for no, only because he was an undrafted player. Like it's his name. It's Drew Eubanks, the name. It's it's, it's people, how he looks too. Yes. Like, like yeah. if you watch every game that he's played, his, he always contributes. He's never had a game where he was like, oh, I didn't even realize Drew was playing. He's doing something at all times. Even if he's not scoring, he's getting boards. Even if he's not getting boards, he's getting blocks. He's going to use his fouls. He knows his He's role. like a controlled Lonnie, kind of. A little bit. You know and what I'm saying? He's always aggressive. And that was, like we said, that's our biggest concern with Jakob. Is Jakob's a, lot, a little too conservative. Eubanks is always aggressive. Now, if someone comes in and takes his... Um, you know, spot because they're playing Chuck better. Landale. So be or even Zach Collins, you know, if they take his spot, so be it. But as of right yeah. now, I think Eubanks has earned the minutes he is getting. And I don't think he's overrated. I think he, he has a tremendous low post game on miles. I know as he dunks a lot, but he's got a tremendous low post game. If you go watch his, go watch the film. Eubanks is a really good player, <laughs> but you talk about that motor. We know Jock Landale has it. If y'all haven't, Go watch ESPN Australia's like five minute interview with him just talking about going to the NBA. It's freaking awesome. He's talking about how he was like, I felt disrespected. I wasn't in the league. And he also talks about how he feels like he's going to be more of a four in the NBA. And if that's the case, I think that that would also offset Eubanks' his, um, his size. But once again, that comes in with the Luca question. It's just that four position, I think, has got to be the most intriguing on the roster right now. But like you were saying, if somebody comes in and takes Eubanks' spot, like a Jock Landale, for example, and he plays just as aggressive, kind of how we saw him for Australia and in his tape in the NBL as well, like I'm not going to be mad at that if we have somebody else who's aggressive and happens to be 20 pounds heavier and three inches taller. I'm not going to be mad at that. Um, mm-hmm. Going back, my guy Gingy, shout out to Gingy. I appreciate you, my guy. Um, you may have already addressed this, but who do you think of Pop's – what do you think of Pop's lineups lately? Last couple seasons, veterans like Pappy, Patty Mills, they've won champions, but our big three weren't starting. Seems like that's not a big deal now since our whole team is now young, which I like. Yeah, um, I think this kind of goes back to the thing that me and Ethan were talking about too. It all kind of just depends on what the veteran influence is going to look like when it comes to Pop. Like it all, I think we're going to f- figure out very quickly what the idea is for pop by the lineups this year and i'm just thinking about it ethan and i'm i don't think that this is gonna happen but i'm kind of getting some anxiety right now about al farouk aminu thaddeus young and bryn forbes getting significant minutes i don't think so but like you can't rule it out you can't rule it out. And Doug McDermott. <laughs> Imagine the starting lineup is DeJounte, Bryn Forbes, Doug McDermott, Thaddeus Young, and Jakob. And then the bench lineup is um or wait, no, actually we'll just say Derek and we'll say Derek and uh and DeJounte in the backcourt. But then off the bench, imagine it's Bryn Forbes, Lonnie, Al Farouk Aminu. <laughs> Yeah. And, and then like Eubanks, I don't know, maybe that's, and that would be a nine man rotation, but that's what we ran last year. Maybe they'll just do that and just not play the young guys again. I don't know. The, 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 the thing is with the way that pop has been in the past couple years, it's just, you have that question mark there. Do me and you think it'll happen right now? Probably not, but mm-hmm. it's always a question with pop. He likes to play his vets. I think the lineups this season will fluctuate more than any other season we've seen in the past. I think from week to week, we could have completely different starting lineups, completely different bench units. We could see one game where Bryn gets 20 minutes a game, and then the next, he doesn't even see the floor. And all of a sudden, Trey's playing. I think we, we will see a lot of that. Because, I mean, for one, Pop's always fluctuated his lineups because he likes to keep our guys rested for the playoffs. But now we just have so many guys like in close competition that it makes sense for him to kind of you know divvy up the minutes from week to week and see who's going to take the ball and run with it. Um, so I think that is going to be the way that Pop, you know, approaches the lineups this year, as opposed to last season where we kind of saw that he, um, you know, 
tended to side with the veterans like Patty and all them and Rudy and, and kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Fluctuating minutes are good though, especially this season and last season. Look at the injuries. Great point, Genji. Um, and yeah, I agree with really. I think that that is the most likely scenario right now, Ethan, you've called the other one and I'm going to, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it, but, <laughs> but I'm going to say, I really feel good about this. You said this last week, I believe. And, and I think that that probably is the most likely scenario this year. We really just figure out what we have. And because of that, we can change our lineup, you know, from week to week. Like say we start winning games, then maybe Thaddeus Young gets more minutes. But if we lose a lot, like you said, maybe by the all-star break, Jock Landale is running the bench unit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So hopefully that happens because even if we're not that great, I'd love to do that just to know what we have. And then we can go into next off season like with a lot of money, understanding where where our needs are and who we want to commit money to. Do we want to play Lon? Do we want to pay Lonnie Walker? I mean, that's another big question. There's yeah. there's a lot of paydays coming up. You know, I'm I'm pretty sure we're convinced of Keldon right now. So that's another thing. You may want to pay Lonnie Walker, but then be like, yeah, but I'd rather save that money for giving a Keldon a big long term contract. There's a lot of different things that kind of go into this. Um, but yeah, lots of other conversations in here. Tavarius, you do make a good point. Murray, White, and Walker, if they were better at their three-point shot, Bryn wouldn't have came back. Um, blame the young guys, not Bryn. Well, I would say that Derek White had a pretty good three-point shooting season, and so did Lonnie. Um, yeah. I know that DeJounte can get better, but I also do understand what you're saying. Those guys aren't consistent three-point shooters, and that's why we had to draft Josh Primo, Joe's weekend, Joe Wieskamp, and then picked up Doug McDermott and some other guys too. So even though I would like to say like, oh, you know, DeJounte and Derek and Lonnie, their three-point shots are pretty good though. They're obviously not good enough with, you know, where our three-point shooting sat in comparison to the league. So yeah. that that's a great point there. Um, well, I want to clarify two things real quick. First to answer, uh, I can't remember who said it. I think it was Miles. Yeah, Miles' question about how many minutes did Patty get last year? He got 25. And would we be upset if Bryn got all those minutes, which was 25. I would be a little upset if Bryn yeah. got 25. Um, but, and then also to, to clarify my stance on Bryn Forbes being on the roster, the reason I said I would rather him not have been on the roster is not necessarily a reflection on Bryn's game. I think Bryn is a solid piece on any team that needs shooting. And, and you, I agree with you. He's a better shooter than Derek DeJounte and Lonnie Walker. And he, he can slide into that two spot, be an off guard spot up shooter. And he's perfect in that position. hundred percent agree. The only thing I, I didn't like about the move was that I felt our roster at that point was solid moving forward. As, like, we could as have played Trey path. Jones. Yeah. Trey Jones and Lonnie and then Doug McDermott. And yeah, I thought we had Luca, enough shooting, whoever, right. Yeah, enough def- defense. I thought our lineup was solid at that point. I didn't see the, the need to get Bryn. I'm not saying Bryn's not a good player. Uh, He's a terrific shooter. Just championship our, our, player. Yeah, probably our best three-point shooter percentage-wise on the team. Actually, yep. yeah, factually, Definitely. He's got 45% yeah. last year. He's a terrific shooter. I just, that that was my opinion. I thought that our lineup would have been, you know, better suited as far as where our future is if we were to keep him off the team. Now that he's here, I hope I hope he, pro- he proves me wrong, and I hope he goes and gets 15 threes a game. Like, by all means, go for it, Bryn. Okay, here's my theory on Bryn Forbes, now that we're talking about it more. So, Trey Jones, right, played really good in the summer league. They signed Bryn Forbes to a one-year contract. Maybe what they feel like is Trey Jones is really good, but he doesn't quite know the off- offense yet. So they're going to kind of, he may fully be on the roster. You know, the, two, the two-way question, we're not sure about that. As of right now, I'm fairly certain he is fully on the roster. Um, but they can still obviously move him from the G League back and forth. Right now, I think what they did with Bryn, and it would ex- it would explain the undersized thing too. I mean, well, you can play him at the two if you want, if and you have Lonnie guard the two on the other side, but Bryn can guard the point guard. I know Bryn's not great on defense, but if you're going to have Bryn guard any position, you want him to be the point guard because that's oh, where he yes. can match up the best size-wise. So what I'm thinking right now with this Bryn Forbes signing is he's going to be the point guard off the bench because he knows the Spurs offense and he's had to do it before. Remember when Derek got hurt, and he mm-hmm. had to run it off the bench then, right, two years ago. Um, so I think he's going to come in do that role, and they're going to help Trey Jones learn a little bit more from Bryn and play in the G League. And then once one-year contract is done, 
next year, Trey Jones will be ready to take over the keys on the bench. But mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%, but I do want to say one more thing uh, on top of that. And I think Bryn won't run the offense on the bench unit. I think he'll play point guard, but I think he'll play point guard in the sense of how Patty or Corey you Joseph think Lonnie played. Will? Point, yeah, I think Lonnie will have the ball in his hands like Monty like did. That. Monty played the two off the bench, and Patty was his point guard, technically. But Patty was right. really the off-ball exactly. shooter. I think... Just hit my microphone. I'm not used to it. I think that's the direction <laughs> we're going for with Bryn on the bench unit. 2014. I mean, not actually 2014, but Patty Similar, Mills yeah. was a shooter, right? We remember Game Five of 2014, right? Everybody, <laughs> probably one of our last like favorite best moment as a Spur. Last time we won a title was Patty Mills going crazy on the LeBron Heat, um, right? But it wasn't him. I mean, well, he did take it up the floor and pull up. He was just going crazy in that game, but. I'm with you, my guy. I am with you there. And hey, I think that's a great opportunity for Lonnie, too. Um, it is. Just because we want to see what he can do with the ball in his hands. And hopefully this year, literally all we need from Lonnie is to him to just have ball control. Control the ball when you're doing your crazy layups. I know that's way harder said than done. And I wish I had the athleticism you know, that Lonnie oh, has yeah. to do that crazy cool stuff, right? I mean, he has got he's got jelly. He's got... I mean, he's got steel. I don't know. Steel, I was trying to go for like a dunk of iron. I don't know. It didn't really work out, but we tried. <laughs> Anyways, point is, um, Josh Primo has two, is getting zero minutes this year also through all of this. But are we really mad at that? Yeah, that, that was Gingy's question was, how much do you think he deserves um, and develop an 18-year-old kid? But you already know my stance on this as I made a video. Hello. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Jude and Miles. He's getting zero minutes this year. Um yeah, it's it's he's just going to have to, you know, he's just going to have to play in the G League, but he's going to be he's going to be fine. He'll he'll play next year, hopefully, maybe. Mm-hmm. I would assume he'll play next year, but he's another versatile player too. You know, he's a guy who can really play the 1 through 4. And that's the thing or not 4, the 1 through 3. And that's the thing that Lonnie can kind of do too. He can play the 1 through 3. Yeah. Um so that's a thing that, that Primo will have. And yes, Wies Camp's getting zero too, but Wies Camp yeah. is literally just going to be, I feel like, in the G League basically the whole year. There will yeah. be a couple games that, you know, they'll have them on the bench on their 45 days, but the those guys are going um, gonna to play. And it's various. Lonnie will have a good season. He's trying to get paid. That's facts. I do think that he's, just because of the nature that he's going to have the ball more and you add on top of that some external motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm Lonnie Walker, I mean... I'm sure if I'm Lonnie Walker, I'd, you know, probably, well, I don't know what Lonnie is, but maybe I'd love to say in San Antonio, but I'm thinking these guys are probably going to rather want to pay Keldon, which means that some team is going to offer me a lot of money and restricted free agency, and they're not going to match it. So I would just try to go dumb if I was Lonnie. I think he will. Uh, We've discussed this before. I think this is Lonnie's year to finally break out. And if I'm Lonnie, I take it extremely personally because all Spurs media, including you and I, Jude, have kind of looked past him a little bit and moved on to DJ, Derek, Keldon as like our future. But let's remember a couple years ago, Lonnie Walker was the guy we were all just dying to see he was the future of our team give him minutes pop please if you give him minutes he'll be the next michael jordan like we were all so hyped on lonnie and then just as quickly as we got hyped for him we kind of jumped off the train a little bit uh because now we're talking about him not getting a bag like we're like and we're taught and then kelden came and just stole his thunder basically And we're talking about throwing him into trades. Every every time a Spurs yeah. media guy is asked, like, who would you trade of our young core? Nine out of ten times, they're like, oh, Lonnie, Lonnie Walker. If I had to choose one, that's who I'd go with. Lonnie Walker, yeah. yeah. And I, I, if I'm Lonnie, I'm taking all of this extremely personally. So I hope, I hope and pray that he hears all of this negativity, even coming from us, and decides to take it upon himself to become our next Manu Ginobili. That would be the Yeah, best. that would be fantastic. Please, please. Prove me wrong, Lonnie. I'm I'm down for you to be better than Keldon if you want to. That's not I don't have a problem with that. Um, so anyways, we'll have to see. Uh another conversation I'm seeing here in the chat. Gingy, we love you, my guy. But yeah, all those guys like DeJounte Murray, Derek White, um the Lonnie, the list goes on and on with our guys who have really developed into like leaders on our team. They've spent a year in Austin. So yeah. that's where that's where Josh will go. That's where Wee's camp will go. Um, 
and then then they'll be fine. Yeah. So and he just say, I just think it's better in San Antonio under Pop and our staff. I agree with that. Yes, you definitely can probably get more development learning from the greatest coach of all time. But the good news is they're still going to develop. But I but I understand you concern. We just picked him in the lottery and he's not even going to be on the roster. It is interesting. But the good news is he's also the youngest player in the entire draft. He is yep. like he's the age of a high school senior. That is that is his age right now. So, or actually, no, he's the age of a college freshman right now. When he was a college freshman, he was the age of a high school senior. So yes. this is a dude who is going to be like just getting into like his man body by the time his rookie contract is up. So there is a ton of development and a ton of time for Primo. So if he's in Austin for a year, I think that he is going to be all good development wise. Eric wants to know about Vassell's minutes and if you would give Primo some of Vassell's minutes. So that's actually, obviously my answer is no, but I understand Eric's appeal here because honestly, I I know we don't have NBA tape, but college tape, Primo kind of looks more ready to be just a catch and shoot guy than Devin has. I mean, I know Devin can be a catch and shoot guy. We've seen that. But like kind of with his role we saw in the um, in the summer league, you know, I think that he'll be using more of that. So I, I see the appeal of him just having more tape of being able to play around two ball handlers when he was at Alabama and really just be a catch and shoot dude. And maybe he might already be more consistent than Vassell. But one, that's not going to happen because that's just not how the Spurs do things. And two, Tottenham Hotspur. No, unfortunately, PC Matt, we're we're not talking soccer. Um, but also, I just think Vassell's experience, the way he looked in the summer league, his size, his defensive ability, um, that that all is just ahead of. Oh, I meant give Primo the same minutes Vassell got in his first year after a few months in the G League. Okay, mm. I'd like that. I wouldn't mind that, especially you know. And this once again goes into if we suck, sure. I'm cool with that. I'd rather play him over over Forbes if that's the case. You know, if Bryn Forbes is playing and then, you know, by the trade deadline, we're like, you know, 10 and 30 or whatever. Absolutely put him in. I agree with that statement. If if yeah. we're losing by the All-Star break, trade <laughs> Bryn Forbes and uh, put my man Primo in there. Um, I still don't think he's going to get Vassell. I think Trey Jones, minutes. too, would, would get that before yeah. Primo, probably. Unfortunately, there's too many people in front of Primo. Vassell had less people in front of him last year. Uh, who was in front of him? It was Rudy Gay, Keldon Johnson, right? Pretty much it. So he was able to get you know a handful of minutes here and there and basically just be a spot-up shooter. And he's a little bit uh, taller than Primo, obviously. I think he's only like an inch taller, but even still. Um, so I still think Primo's going to finish the season in the G League. But like we said, the minutes fluctuation, the lineup fluctuation, maybe we're wrong. Maybe he gets a little bit more minutes than, than we're than we're thinking here. Maybe he actually gets thrown into a couple games. Who knows? Yep. Yep. Dylan, just want to shout out to you. Getting a super young player like Primo was smart so we can actually assess some of our younger talent that has not got minutes, a la Luca, Lonnie, and Jones. Absolutely. Hopefully, you. hopefully Trey Jones gets minutes, man. Hopefully. That would be awesome if they sign. Bryn Forbes to literally just be our Austin Spurs liaison another person who developed a lot in the G League um but anyways uh that's another great point and that is another thing that on draft night we probably weren't thinking about when Josh Primo popped up on the screen (laughs) I I I did predict that (laughs) no you did predict it was going to be somebody that we didn't know I was just saying that like when he first like I wasn't thinking about the fact that there is still such a log jam on the roster, even with Primo being drafted. Like, like there's right. still so many guys ahead of him drafting the youngest player mm-hmm. in that situation. We got like the most value out of our pick in regards to our roster because he's literally mm-hmm. just 18, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, let me rephrase. I believe what I actually said the episode after the draft was that our, our um, reason for drafting Primo was to... Um, was was a couple reasons actually one they didn't believe they had a a number one option left on the draft board so they decided they were going to get a guy that they could groom because he's so young to become a really nice piece down the road 
And we're also going to give all of our minutes to the guys that we've already invested in um, so that they don't have to worry about a young buck coming to just take their position just because he was a lottery pick kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Tavarius, you're right. <laughs> like I'm thinking about this, like while I'm watching it and I see what you say, no, there, there's no reason we signed Bryn Forbes. If he's going to be that liaison, I know that Rob had talked about that a little bit on Spurs film room, but honestly, like when I really think about it, it's like, I, cause he's trying to get paid also that second part of your, your comment makes a ton of sense. Like if he's just going to come here and then just sit, like he's not going to get another contract. He didn't get a contract this year other than the Spurs. Like that should tell you something. I'm, I'm fairly certain. Well, I don't know that for a fact, but I think there's a reason that he came back and signed with Greg. You know what I'm saying? I, so that's my personal thing. I'm sure he had some, you know, maybe some other offers, but this, if you're signing a minimum with the Spurs after you just won a title and shot 45%, mm-hmm. I feel like that tells me you didn't have very many better offers left. And because they also only signed, he only signed a one year, that would make sense that he's trying to get paid. And yeah, he's probably going to be our, he's going to be literally the patty roll, basically. Yeah. yeah. I 100% agree but with less minutes. He's going to get minutes because he would not have signed here otherwise. And to address Miles saying, don't sleep on Forbes, he'll be way more impactful than you think. Imagine how many more games we would have won if we had a, a lethal shooter. Absolutely. In the I'm going to disagree. Really? I, I'm going to say that Bryn Forbes averages far less points, far less assists than Patty Mills did last season. I'm going to say that his shooting percentage drops to below f- to 240% um, because of a couple reasons. One, he's going to be getting more minutes than he was getting in Milwaukee. And so he's going to be getting the ball more often. And when you shoot more, you're going to miss more. And second, he no longer has Giannis Antetokounmpo or Chris Middleton on his team. So, you know, Giannis draws not two, but three or four players. So he was getting wide open looks just because of Giannis. You throw Chris Middleton in there. Chris Middleton's a guy that can draw two as well. He's getting wide open looks. I mean, I don't think, I don't think Lonnie Walker is going to draw off Bryn Forbes man because Bryn Forbes is going to be standing on the three-point line 99% of the time I'm not saying he's not going to have impact yes he's going to have impact just simply having a guy that's shooting out there but I don't think he's going to win us any more games necessarily because he like you said is going to be playing the exact same role as Patty so we lose Patty add Bryn Forbes it's like cancels each other out pretty much and then you know, that's that's my opinion. They just cancel each other out. And then I also think that Patty, at the end of the day, was a better playmaker than Bryn. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll have to see. The one thing I will say though is this definitely does give more opportunity to Lonnie Walker. What it that yeah. that is a for certain thing. And that's one of the things that we've also um said just like on the show. Well, actually, I'm losing my train of thought here, <laughs> but Bryn Forbes and I don't I'm completely blanking. Ethan, help me. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying? So I, I totally forgot what I was saying. That's I know we're talking about Bryn Forbes. Oh, this is what it was. Sorry, guys. OK, so Lonnie Walker is going to have more opportunity with Bryn Forbes playing next to him. Yes. Than with Patty Mills next to him. And if 100%. we're going under that narrative, then on top of that, the Spurs this year are really trying to figure out and assess their talent. That would make. If that's the goal this year for the Spurs, that would make Bryn Forbes more valuable than Patty Mills. And I will say, though, I I think we are giving him a little bit too much crap just because of his defensive ability. But the thing is, we do have a lot of like we have pretty good defenders on the bench. But like Tavarius says, the second unit D will not be great. It it definitely won't be. Um, But it's still it's not like we still don't have like Vassell out there like Lonnie Vassell. And well, I. I can't say it about Luca, but Lonnie Vassell and well, Eubanks will yes because Eubanks is undersized, he's going to get taken advantage of. But Lonnie Vassell and Eubanks are at least going to give the right amount of effort off the mm-hmm. bench. Oh yeah. Um, but anyways, Bryn yeah. Forbes, hopefully, hopefully he's better um, than we think, and and I think that uh, yeah. I think that just his shooting ability, like we forget because we're Spurs fans, we're so in love with defense that we forget that you can win games by scoring more points than the other team, regardless yeah. of how you play defensively, if you just score more than them. I'm not even talking about his defense in my in my criticism of, of okay. him. I'm, I just don't think 
I don't want to overstate his impact. Um, cause, and then, you know, my, he's, uh, miles is saying, he thinks maybe I was a little bit flawed with my argument because and then he brought up the sun's game, uh, as like a evidence of, you know, when we didn't have the guy that could draw two like tomorrow out there, we were able to play a lot better. And that's a good argument as well, but Patty didn't play that game either. And so your other argument was that, uh, Bryn was going to be so impactful because that he was a lethal sniper, you know, in the fourth quarter and all that stuff but we didn't have a lethal sniper playing in the Suns game at all. And we were still able to blow them out of the water. Um, so that's, that's, I, I just don't want to overstate his impact. I don't think he's going to have, um, I, I don't, I don't think having Brent Forbes on our bench unit is going to make or break us at the end of the day. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he still has 45% from the three point line. That would be exceptional, but I, I just don't want to go crazy. I don't think he's going to uh, play that extraordinarily well we shall have to see we will have to see the one thing that is for certain though ethan is we're gonna see um more young guys than we have in the past and oh yeah we're we're gonna learn we're gonna learn more about our roster this year and the potential of our young guys um which is something that for the past two years and really since we started a theme of this show of sspn has really been like okay Right now, like it's like in 2K where you're scouting like a player in the draft and it's potential. You have a question mark. You have that with Lonnie Walker. You have that with Lucas Samanich. You have that with Devin Vassell even. Um, and and some other guys that I'm kind of forgetting to. I mean, well, Primo and Wieskamp too, but like they're not going to get NBA minutes. But those three guys that I mentioned will get NBA minutes and we're going to see what they're about Um this season, which is something that we've been waiting for for a long time. We're just like, okay, old guys get out of the way. Young guys come in. Let's see what you got and then decide whether or not we want you on the roster or not. So 100% Dylan, I agree with you. That's all I was trying to say basically at the end of the day. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Well, Ethan Thursday night football tonight, the Washington football team and the New York giants um, I know that you're a Cowboys fan, so I had to ask you. It's an NFC East matchup. This this division is just crazy. Before we go, who who do you have in in this toilet bowl of a game on Thursday? Uh, <laughs> pick, pick, pick. I mean, I don't even know, honestly. Like, I, I, I'm gonna go with my boy Heineke. I'm gonna say that he goes crazy. I'm gonna go Washington football yeah. team. I think Chase Young's gonna get to Danny Dimes, and it's just the lesser of two pretty bad teams. Their defense is better. They win. Yeah. All right. Anyways, that'll be the end of the football talk on today's show. Comment below who your favorite football team is and if you wish there was a team in San Antonio. Spurs Sports and Entertainment should should buy an NFL team, right? No? No, I I don't think bringing an NFL team to San Antonio is the best idea, in all honesty. Well, you're right because the, 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 the media conglomerates, they don't want us to have it. Yeah, I, they, I just it's, it's not profitable enough. They want us out of San Antonio. They want the Spurs to go to Las Vegas. Well, that, will, <laughs> that will never happen. Yeah, they want them to go. They want them to move like the Aces. Speaking of which, actually, one more note before we go, and we appreciate all y'all. Um, what was it? What was I going to say? Oh, Becky Hammond just got retired. Her number was retired for the Las yeah. Vegas Aces. I know it was the San Antonio Stars when she played, obviously, but um, just another little Las Vegas connection there. So shout out to Becky Hammond for getting her jersey retired. So anyways, we appreciate you guys. And yes, corporate knowledge is overrated. (laughs) All right, bro. We appreciate all you guys. My name is Drew McLaren. That's Ethan. Wait, there we go. Yeah. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks for coming out.